Hubbard. And I'm Lynn McTaggart. And we are What Doctors Don't Tell You. And welcome to another podcast and vlogcast. The latest. And we're actually speaking to you whilst the latest issue is still around in the stores. The February issue still available across the UK and the US. We publish simultaneously in the two countries. And interesting, I was in the health shop last week. And they've actually got a bloke working there who's, who's actually a pharmacist. And he says, you know, I read what doctors every month. I learn so much each time. He says, but this issue, especially so. So it's a great issue. Even the pharmacist agrees. So it's one that to catch before it disappears off the shelves. Better yet, subscribe to it. Absolutely. Um, there are so many great stories in this issue. Um, our big cover story is about healing and preventing dementia. And there are certain things that people have talked about in terms of preventing, but the idea that you can actually heal reverse dementia is new. And there's all sorts of new ways to do that. So if you know of somebody in your family with Alzheimer's or dementia, this is a must. But we've also done some other things about um, the difference between good and bad fats. There's so much misinformation. People have certain ideas about omega-6s and omega-3s that really need to be clarified. So we, we write a story there. We have a story about from Dr. Joseph Mercola on that. We have an amazing story about the incredible effects of color on your health. And lots of things for um, uh, healthy shopping. New uh, presents for Valentine's Day. So if you're watching this before February 14th and you want to get hold of a healthy present for your loved one, this is the place to look for it. Okay, great. And our website is what, Lynn? It's www.wddty.com. Great. Okay. And let's get on with the news. Heart disease, still the number one killer in the West, for sure, probably in the world. And the theory still has it that saturated fats, mainly from animal foods, are the prime cause because they clog up our arteries. Now, we've visited this story quite a few times in our various podcasts, but, you know, the research keeps coming and it keeps demonstrating that the fats theory is just plain wrong. And uh, the latest study <clears throat> actually demonstrates that it is bad diet that is a cause of heart disease, but it's nothing to do with saturated fats, but everything to do with processed foods, white flour, you name it. And um, in fact, the researchers reckon that people who eat a healthy diet, vegetables, fruits, nuts, seeds, you name it, are going to have um, reduce if people move to that diet, we'd have half the number of deaths from heart disease every year. That would make uh, heart disease as a cause of death around about number three or four instead of being number one. So it is a disease of diet, but it's nothing at all to do with saturated fats. And it's quite uh, extraordinary the effect that a positive diet, a healthy diet, does have on heart health. And so, again, barking up the wrong tree and have done for many years, which has resulted in the low fats foods industry, the rise of the statin drugs to lower cholesterol, all false trails. Mm -hmm. It's just down to processed foods. And, you know, what is interesting saying, well, 
that would bring it down and would make cancer the number one killer because if everyone was following a good healthy diet that would mean cancer also cancer deaths would also be reduced i think it's round about by 30 to 40 percent so heart disease deaths would be down by half cancer disease deaths would be down 30 to 40 percent yeah and that's that just by eating well well i think that's the incredible and inconvenient truth that we really have to face and force our legislators to face um there's so much pressure and money from big food um, and that is the industry that produces uh, processed food of every variety. And they've got an enormous amount of money, an enormous stake in, um, in sugar, in processing of all sorts. And there's a double whammy here. Not only is the processing stuff itself really dangerous because primarily it turns into sugar in your bodies. Anything white and processed converts into sugar very quickly in your body. It's a, a carb, it's carbohydrate, and it spikes your insulin levels. It causes inflammation. It causes that cascade that creates illness. But there's another big piece here too that's never talked about, which is that processed food is also polluted food. It's food filled with pesticides. And pesticides are also a huge, um, a huge contributor to heart disease and disease of every variety. So one of the things that you can do to immediately improve your health in, on every level, but particularly when it comes to your heart, cancer, all the big degenerative diseases, is eat organic and don't eat anything that comes out of a packet. Mm. And Isidro, they did a source, just going back to the study itself, they looked at 51 countries. Remember, the whole saturated fats theory was based on seven countries. And the researcher cherry-picked those countries because, in fact, the original research was based on 14 countries. And when you looked at the data of the 14 countries, the whole fats theory disappeared. There was no clear cause and effect between saturated fats and heart disease. But the researchers at the time cherry-picked those seven countries which seemed to show the, the, the strongest link to saturated fats. But anyway, so bringing it up to date, this current piece of research has looked at 51 countries without cherry-picking any, the full data on all 51. And it's interesting, the, um, the single most important, the two most important food groups to, to have in your diet were, in fact, the nuts and the seeds. Mm -hmm. um, and there you have the st strongest uh, link to heart, heart disease prevention of, of all the foods. So that's, that's, I thought that was quite interesting. Yeah, seeds <clears throat> get a bad rap because um, we think of, of omega-6 fatty acids, as which seeds are plentiful uh, uh, in, as being really bad. That causes inflammation and <clears throat> omega-3s put out the fire of in inflammation. Mm. But as we've written about in the oil story in this month's issue, it's much more complicated than that. It's all about the processing, once again, mm. of seed oils. Mm. You have to heat them, squeeze them, <clears throat> do all kinds of things to extract oil out of seeds for sunflower oil and safflower oil, things like that. In the process of processing, you create... Um, 
unhealthy fats. But the seeds themselves are really good for you. So if you eat them plain, mm -hmm. chia seeds, sunflower mm -hmm. seeds, pumpkin seeds, all of those things are really, really good for you. Yeah. And, and, and just, just looking overall at this healthy diet, it was made up of fruits and vegetables, legumes such as chickpeas and lentils, nuts and seeds we mentioned, and the omega-3s from fish, and whole grains. And they thought that was important as well. So there you are. That is a picture of the heart-healthy diet. Yeah. Not the one that you're given, often given by your doctor, which is low-fat, and it's okay if it's processed as long as it's low-fat. On the cholesterol theme, as we were a moment ago, another bad boy of diet was eggs. You shouldn't eat eggs. It's going to cause cholesterol to rise in your, in your, in your blood, and that will cause the heart disease. Well, no, not only have, I think, researchers now reasonably demonstrated that theory is false, um, it's now going a bit further because there's a new piece of research out that demonstrates that eggs, the bad boys, are actually preventing type 2 diabetes. And type 2 diabetes, as we all know, is a precursor of heart disease itself. But eating an egg a day, as they recommend, actually reduces your chances of ever getting type 2 diabetes in the first place, which is quite extraordinary as, as eggs are high in cholesterol. They're full of it, and yet it seems to have a protective effect, which suggests it also has a protective effect against heart disease itself. Who'd have thought? You know, it's uh, completely contrary to everything that people have been told for the last 30 years, and it's quite extraordinary that slowly, slowly, these little bits of research are sneaking out, which, of course, what doctors are pouncing on immediately, because I think is a story that needs to be told. Um, it seems, why are eggs so healthy? Well, they're not entirely sure, but um, they apparently um, have healthy compounds that appear in the blood of healthy people who don't have type 2 diabetes. And they seem to reduce the levels of an amino acid uh, called tyrosine, which increases, which increases the risk of diabetes. So it reduces that particular amino acid and increases the compounds which fit a healthy profile. So that's eggs for you. Nothing mm -hmm. at all to do with heart disease, but everything to do with preventing it. Well, then I think everything they write about eggs is wrong. I mean, we notice all around America restaurants offering egg white omelets. Mm. Well, the bottom line, Brian, is mm. actually that the really healthy piece is the yolk. Mm. And the white is a little bit more allergenic. Mm. So, first of all, their uh, advice is, is wrong and misplaced, but also reverses. You know, it reverses what is, what is the case. But the point is the whole natural egg is really good for you. Mm. And this idea that cholesterol causes cholesterol is uh, an, an urban myth now mm. that has been accepted by the medical establishment with absolutely no evidence mm. of, of being true. Mm. I mean, we're now seeing with things like the paleo diet, where people are eating enormous fat, uh, levels of fats, um, you know, there's the fat for fuel diet by Joseph Mercola and lots of other people uh, adopting and, and modifying the paleo diet. Mm. And that 
centerpiece of that diet is dietary fat. Mm. You know, the good fats from animal products um, like goose fat, etc., or for vegetarians, coconut oil mm. is a brilliant, stable fat. And those kinds of fats are shown to be really important for fuel, for brain fuel and brain health. Mm. And now, as I say, are the centerpieces of these diets. So we've, we're swinging now completely the opposite way of saying these cholesterol-laden foods are bad mm. to saying actually they're protective and good. And, uh, you know, the fats in terms of protecting the, the brain, cognitive abilities become even more important as we get a little bit older. And I think once you reach the age of 50 plus, you know, you need your cholesterol to protect the brain. And of course, you know, at which point doctors are prescribing statins to lower cholesterol. And it's not really that surprising if that happens that we're seeing dementia, Alzheimer's in older people because they don't have the protective fats. Absolutely. We need them. And Again, the research is emerging, demonstrating that paleo-style diets that are low in carbs, uh, high in fats, and have a, a modicum, a good amount of meats, um, animal foods, or protein, um, but a certain modicum, and lots and lots of plant foods, mm. is the way to go, and is, is a healing diet in every regard, whether you're a vegan or a... Um, or a a meat eater, a carnivore. And what do you have for breakfast every day? I have eggs every day. She does. She has eggs every morning. <laughs> uh, this gal walks the talk, I'm telling you. Okay. I don't have diabetes. No, she doesn't have diabetes. Okay, thanks very much, Lynn. Okay, the, the vlog viewers, I suppose that's a redundancy there, the vlog audience, whatever, will see that I am sun-kissed and bronzed. <laughs> because we've come back from Mexico quite recently. But I bet you I'm still deficient in vitamin D. Hmm. And virtually everyone living in the West, and the northern climes as we do, probably are deficient in vitamin D. And of all the vitamins, that's the one we're most likely to be deficient in. But even if we weren't, there's another vital nutrient we need to have for the vitamin D to work and to be properly processed by the body, and that's magnesium. And I think we're not often told that bit. We're told about topping up with vitamin D more than we're told you need to take your magnesium as well. And um, they've sort of done some tests on this to discover that indeed is the case. And those who are depleted in magnesium but had reasonably high stores of vitamin D were still deficient in that vitamin because they weren't processing it properly. Um, so it's quite an interesting piece of research. And essentially they're saying, you know, it's like the um, bread and butter, like the horse and cart, magnesium and vitamin D go together. They sort this research has tested on 250 people who are at risk of developing uh, colorectal cancer. Um, and they were given either magnesium or a placebo supplement with their vitamin D. And they discovered that only those who took the magnesium were also had relatively high stores of, uh, of the vitamin. So, you know, the sunshine is by far and away the best way of getting your vitamin D. Supplemented with magnesium will work with that. 
But, you know, magnesium also found in dark green leafy greens, beans, whole grains, dark chocolate, fatty fish, nuts and avocado. So what do you reckon about that? Well, first of all, I've got to say you probably aren't deficient in it because with the vitamins I give you every morning, you get magnesium and D. That's true. You get you eat eggs and I get supplements. <laughs> I so get that, supplements too. That's how it works. Um, but the other piece here is magnesium is really hard for the body to absorb. So one of the best ways to absorb it, people understand now, is by the skin. So not only is vitamin D the best way of getting it is from the sun, with magnesium, the best way is to spray it on or soak in it. So a really good source of magnesium are magnesium salts, Epsom salts. Um, they will go in through the skin, and that is a much easier way of digesting it, particularly if you have any kind of gut issues like leaky gut, et cetera, et cetera. But another thing is magnesium, you know, everybody harps on about calcium, Brian, mm. but magnesium and D, D3, are crucial for bone health. And there's a third part of this, too, that needs to be taken if you're worried about osteoporosis and keeping your bones strong. And that is vitamin K. But there's a special kind of it called MK7, which is the best. And those three together work as a trio to keep your bones strong. Say that again. Vitamin D, mm -hmm. magnesium, mm -hmm. and MK7, okay. which is a special <laughs> form of vitamin K. Okay. Well, there you go. Thanks very much, Lynn. Well, if there's one take-home message about all our podcasts, it has to be there's a natural solution to every disease. And looking at another piece of research, that's also true for high blood pressure or hypertension. Now, high blood pressure is one of those real movable feasts. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a fact of medical fashion as much as it is actual disease. The um, threshold for high blood pressure has been dropping over the last 30 years and was once uh, was healthy is now considered to be a worry. So, I mean, I think it's a little bit dubious what hypertension really is and where it really does start and causes damage. But the point of this particular piece of research is that, well, whatever level it is, even at the highest levels, exercise can reduce it. And you don't have to take antihypertensive drugs to do so. Even drug-free approach, we're saying natural solutions to every disease and exercise is one of those natural solutions. And in fact, they tested uh, exercise on people who had the highest blood pressure readings, which were 140 systolic and above. And um, the researchers are rather pleased with the results because they're becoming increasingly concerned about the medicalization of hypertension or how it's being perceived with the threshold forever dropping, dropping, dropping. Increased um, uh, prescriptions of antihypertensive drugs. In fact, uh, prescriptions have increased by 50% in the last 10 years and not without side effects. And uh, the fact that you could just do some fairly simple, structured exercise, endurance to resistance, even walking, 
can actually have a dramatic effect on blood pressure and lower it to what would be seen to be reasonable, healthy levels. So and then they, this is a major study. They looked at 194 clinical trials to, uh, to draw this uh, conclusion. So it was no, no small piece of research. And they said, well, any, any type of exercise seems to work. And it's just as effective as an anti-hypertensive drug, just as effective. Um, so, yeah, and they sort of looked at various exercise regimes from walking, jogging, cycling, dynamic resistance training, strength training with dumbbells, kettlebells. It all worked. And, um, yeah, so well, there you go then. What do you think? Well, I'm kind of outraged by what happens with blood pressure levels and mm. what's considered hypertension um, because it seems to be so fueled by the pharmaceutical industry. You know, what is considered a dangerous blood pressure level is a little bit like um, skirt lengths in fashion. They raise and lower arbitrarily <laughs> depending on the seasons. And we have seen them go down, 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 so that uh, they will lower the threshold. So suddenly a whole bunch of people who were considered healthy before are suddenly considered unhealthy and need drugs. And then we find that they raise every so often. And those people who are considered unhealthy taking drugs are now said, no, no, you're actually okay. Mm. But the bottom line is this and most areas of heart disease, unless you have a heart attack right then and there, most areas of heart disease are manageable without taking a coterie of drugs. That sounds outrageous, but it's true. And blood pressure is chief among them. There are so many ways, as Brian outlined, and besides a diet, and we talked earlier about a diet protecting your heart and the things that you can do to protect your heart, but besides diet and exercise, there's also certain supplements that are really, really good for your heart. And one of those big ones is magnesium, actually. Mm. Magnesium really regulates your heart mm. and is really important. And of course, coenzyme Q10 is a central one in in regulating your heart mm. so really drugs should be a last resort and for this for this kind of condition unless you know somebody can convince you that you have really dangerously high blood pressure some of the side effects of blood pressure medication are just not worth it mm. yeah and it's, it's a dubious one isn't it hypertension because we've said it's a matter of fashion and the, uh, the levels have dropped dramatically over the years and the American Heart Association Still looks to drop them further. I think we're standing now at 130 systolic, which is the first beat and uh, the first push of the artery. And, um, you know, I mean, it's the, the readings are invariably wrong. And the time of day when you have your reading can make an enormous difference to your blood pressure levels. There's even a thing called white coat hypertension, yeah, yeah. which is that your blood pressure goes up as soon as you see a doctor. Yeah. It makes my blood boil. Thanks, Lynn. Okay, here's a story about an organization many of you will not have heard of, and a researcher you've probably never heard of either. But it's an interesting story because it is about what's going on in medicine, in medical research, and the politics of medicine. And it 
really quite interesting because it's called the Cochrane Collaboration. And the idea behind it is that it would be truly independent and would look at the pros and cons of all the, all the medical trials, pointing out how, how good or bad they are, weighing up the evidence yet again without fear or favour, like the old Bailey of London, assessing the information without uh, taking any backhanders from the drug industry. And, um, and so it, it settled, and I think, I think when we started What Doctors Don't Tell You, very early on, you met with the, one of the uh, key uh, innovators of this who started the whole collaboration, didn't you? Going yes. back many years. And yes. um, also early on in, in creating the collaboration was a man called Peter Gotch. Now, Peter Gotch is certainly a character. I mean, he's the one who's called the drugs industry mafia. Um, he's attacked all psychiatric medicine. He's questioned the um, safety and necessity of the HPV vaccine. In fact, he's pretty much criticised and raised a question mark pretty much over all the great sort of uh, things of, of modern medicine and all the sacred cows of medicine, I think. Um, so that was up to about a year ago. But then last September, Peter was kicked out of the collaboration. And it happened round about the time when the Bill Gates Foundation gave the collaboration a large chunk of money. And um, Peter, who is as honest as the day is long, also now fears that his job at his university is also in jeopardy. And, um, but he's not, you know, he's a bit of a fighter because he's now looking to set up a new Cochrane collaboration which is truly independent, without the money of Bill Gates or anybody else, to carry on what the original plan of the collaboration was, which was to be utterly independent, fearless, and seeking out the truth. I mean, we used to look to the collaboration ourselves for research, yes. look at the findings, but um, you know, sadly those days are now gone. Now, when we first started What Doctors Don't Tell You, it was in our first couple of years. As you say, Brian, they met with us very excited because they thought, well, here's a kindred spirit. And while they were working inside the medical profession and we were extremely critical of the medic medical profession, they had the same aims. And they saw us as, you know, as in some way not collaborating, but just reaffirming what the other one was finding too. And so this is a real sad day that they've been got to as well. And Peter Gosh, I mean, was, as Brian says, did not, he was no holds barred when he was talking about the medical profession. He was revealing stuff in his various books about, for instance, um, any FDA official not towing the party line about drugs actually getting personally threatened or his family getting threatened. He's basically said, gosh, and shown evidence in his book that the drug industries will resort to any kind of treatment that is common to the mafia, from bribery to murder. So those are strong statements, but they also come from an insider because you have to understand that Gotch was 
a medical researcher. He was a drug researcher at one point in his career. So he knows the real ins and outs of what happens to drug research and how manipulated, how falsified, how massaged it is. So I applaud his, his incredible bravery in the face of this monolith and the idea that he's going to set up something that's going to be true to the original aims of the Cochrane collaboration. And the only thing I have to say to the collaboration is shame on you. And, you know, it shouldn't be ever about the money and you shouldn't be accepting stuff from Bill Gates' foundation. Well, not so that it influences you. Mm. And, you know, they didn't want this sort of maverick voice to upset the apple cart, as it were. Absolutely. But look, anyway, he's going to move on. He's going to create a thing called the Institute for Scientific Freedom. His crowd uh, funding at the moment. So Peter Gotch, G-O-T-Z-S-C-H-E, G-O-T-Z-S-C-H-E, Gotch. Um, look it up, and if you've got a few shillings to spare, pass them Peter's way. I think that pretty much wraps it up for another week then, don't it you? It really does, and he's a he's a good person to yeah, back. He's, he's a good person. Yeah. And you're looking forward to your eggs tomorrow morning? You betcha, and you, your vitamin D. Ah, absolutely, with, uh, with all sorts of extra things as well. So thanks for listening or watching, and we'll catch up with you again soon. I'm Brian Hubbard. And I'm Lynn McTaggart, and we're What Doctors Don't Tell You, and this is the latest issue. Thank you. Thanks.